I'm James Milley. And I'm Alex Mito. And this is The Artist Business Plan, your favorite weekly business podcast for artist entrepreneurs, hosted by Superfine Art Fair. Hello, business artists and art entrepreneurs. Welcome back to The Artist Business Plan. My name is James Milley, and I am the managing partner and co-founder of Superfine Art Fair, the most widespread art fair for artists in the United States. As you may know, we're also a business resource for all things art, artists, and marketing art. We are here today with Abby Salami. Abby is a Nigerian painter based in Dallas. She has exhibited in museums across the United States, including the Women's Museum of Art in Dallas and the African-American Museum of Art in Dallas as well, as well as with us at our own Superfine Art Fair. Uh, She is currently featured in Saatchi Art's 2020 Rising Stars Under 35. Abby allows her subconscious to inform her paintings while using symbols to explore memory, mental health, race, specifically with the aim of destigmatizing mental health in African communities, which is something we can definitely get behind. Welcome to the show, Abby. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. Now, before we get started, Abby, I want to ask you something to help our audience get to know the real Abby. What is the earliest memory you have of art? And did you realize then that you'd be dedicating your life to art? Um, I think the earliest memory I have is every Sunday, I believe it was, when I was a kid in Nigeria. My parents would go visit my grandfather, my dad's, my paternal grandfather. And I would always take drawings that I did to show him because he was like the only one who cared and the only one who loved them. The one memory I do have is I did a drawing of him. I remember him telling my parents, whatever art supplies Abby wants, go ahead and get it to her because, you know, I guess he saw talent. I don't know. By the time I didn't take it seriously, but I was just, I was just a happy kid. Yeah, now I get all, you know. Crayola and all the markers and stuff like that. So I was geeked. But um, yeah, that was probably the earliest memory. But at the time, I didn't think of like art as a career because in the Nigerian culture, and I think in all over the world, art isn't really viewed as seriously sometimes as we would like. And it definitely wasn't viewed at all in my household as like a viable career. So yeah, it took some time. <laughs> Well, that's awesome to hear that you had that support so early on, but I definitely agree. I think art should be taken as a more serious career all around the world, but that's awesome that you had that that support and that's such a sweet story. (laughs) So Abby, as you know, we're big fans of your work and you're a self-taught artist. So Mm -hmm. could you tell us a little bit about how you developed your work and your style over the years? Lots of practice and really just exploring I would say this last two years have been the most experimental for my work. And I will say that what has helped is having an iPad, which is weird, right? But um, I'm not one of those super confident artists. I'm such a perfectionist. and I want things to look a certain way. And if it doesn't, I like feel stuck or like I failed. And the great thing about working on iPad first before I you know, actually hit the canvas is I can make mistakes. I can try crazy things I could you know add layers take away layers and that has given me way more confidence even when I am on the, working on the canvas and finally you know working on a piece I feel more confident because I'm just like I can mess up and I just paint over it it's fine it's gonna be okay but yeah I would just say like a ton of practice a ton of just research you know going to sh- like fairs like you guys is museums and just really seeing what's out there and then just kind of figuring out what fit 
me and the message that I was trying to convey. And I would say my style is still evolving, but I feel like I'm kind of hitting my stride now. So pretty happy about that. <laughs> That's, that's awesome. And, uh, yeah, since you, cause you, we originally connected with you, uh, when you exhibited in Miami back in 2018, yes. and yes. we've definitely seen how your style has evolved and changed since then. And yeah, no, that's awesome to hear on a more personal note for myself as well. I'm also an artist and my, my work is ultimately digital, but I also really enjoy creating a digital sketch, so to speak in advance, kind of really just being able to plan it out. So I, I definitely hear what you're saying there and, and just being able to visualize every single element can bring that confidence when you're finally actually getting to the real piece. So that's awesome. So in your artist statement, you express the goal of destigmatizing mental health, especially in African communities. How do you use your art as activism and why is art advocacy so impactful? I try to use my art as a way to start conversation. Because I feel like if you walk with somebody and start talking to them about mental health issues, their guard's going to be up just because there's still a lot of stigma in the African-American African and African-American community. But I would say literally everywhere on the planet, it's still a brain illness. I wish they would, start, they would actually call it brain illness rather than mental health because a brain is a tangible organ. Everybody can, your heart, your lung, whatever. And if you say your brain is sick, people might get it better than saying mental health you know, illness or schizophrenia or bipolar disorder, just be like, no, your brain is sick. And be like, oh, makes sense. I think that art allows most guards to be down when they see it because most of my uh, paintings are very, um, they look positive. They're not gloomy. They're not, like you wouldn't know from afar that it was dealing with mental health issues. What I do is try to put symbols in there, kind of my own visual vocabulary and have people have to ask me why I put certain things in certain paintings. And then that starts a dialogue for talking about mental health. And by then people's guards are down and they're more open to talking about it. And they start to realize, and I have had people tell me they start to realize that they're not alone, whether they're they're struggling with mental health issues or they have a family member or friend and they are indirectly suffering because of that, because they don't know how to help this person or talk to this person. So it kind of creates this opportunity for a dialogue to occur. And hopefully, you know, somebody doesn't have to suffer in silence. Somebody is able to go seek help. And, you know, that changes everything. Absolutely. I love this idea of art as kind of an icebreaker to talking about mental health, or as you said, a brain illness or a brain injury. It's definitely just breaking down those barriers. So that's something that we can all talk about, I think is really important. So even with all of the important work that you are doing, you still manage to make money as an artist, breaking that myth that artists need to sell out to be successful, which is awesome. So what would you say is the first step for an artist wanting to turn their passion into a successful art business? I think you would need to write an art business plan you'd really need to decide, like you look at your work, be really honest with yourself and decide who is your niche market? Who is the ideal client and what do they look like? Where do they hang out? Where, what clothes do they wear? Where do they like to travel? Where do they like to eat? Like literally like down to like the nittiest bit of detail about who the, your ideal client is. And then A, make sure that person exists. 
right? Like you might like <laughs> make sure that there's enough people that would appreciate the art that you're that you're creating. You know, and you have to be really realistic. There's this very romantic idea about that starving artist, and it's like if you want to go from that starving artist to an actual, you know, making a business, there are going to there are going to be some compromises. I think that are going to be made, right? I got like with my new style, I'm picking a lot of more neutral kind of colors because people were having issues with matching with their living rooms, which used to hurt my feelings so bad. I was like, my art is not to match your couch, but <laughs> if I want to sell it, it needs to match somebody's couch or somebody's living room <laughs> or somebody's aesthetic. So I figured if I use, I could still get the message across with a, a muted color palette and people find it much easier to hang in their homes. Since then, I'll literally be working on a painting, not done, posted to Instagram, and it's going to come and buy it. So there's got to be a little bit of give. And you have to be honest with yourself at the beginning while you're writing that business plan and say, am I willing to make these compromises? Am I, I like painting large. I've had to start painting smaller because I want people to feel like they can buy like an introductory piece. And then from there, start buying bigger pieces. That's another compromise I had to make. But you just have to really think about can you make this a business? Are you willing to? Is it going to hurt you so bad that you should just, you know, keep it a hobby and just continue to enjoy it for the rest of your life? But if you're really serious about it being a business, you have to run it like a business. You have to you have to have a clientele. There's to be a lot of them because art is not necessarily like um, a subscription, right? You're, they're not coming back next month to buy another one. So if there's only like you know, a population of 100 people who appreciate your art, you know, it's going to kind of tough. You might want to broaden whatever, whether it's your you know, topic or size or, you know, whatever else that you, you can do within the realms of your comfort to engage more people, right? So I would say, like, you really just have to be honest with yourself and be like, am I okay with this being a business? Am I going to fall out of love with all of this once I start having to do stuff because that's what a client wants versus what you feel in your heart, so... This is such incredible advice. So yes, first of all, you have to treat your art like a business if you want it to thrive like a business. And I think that's such an important thing. I was talking about that with another guest a few weeks ago as well. You need to take your art and look at what is important about it and what can you adapt to sync up with your, your audience where you're not losing the authenticity in your work. So what is genuine to your work and what what is integral to it and and stay true to that don't adapt that but if there's something like size or the the color palette and that's really not like at its core what makes your art so passionate for yourself then maybe consider changing that to broaden your audience like you said and trying to find your audience yes creating that persona is is what it's referred to and really getting down to that nitty gritty of exactly what your clientele does, eats, wears, lives, everything. And then you can take that and on a tool like Facebook Business Manager or something like that, you can find it and see how large your audience is and you can tweak it and see if the audience grows or shrinks depending on certain things. And then you can find you know, that match with your art. So my next question, you are also big on showcasing your work in art fairs, like you just mentioned a little bit ago. Why do you think that art fairs are helpful for up and coming artists? And what are your top three reasons for an artist to showcase their art in a fair? 
I like you guys' fair. <laughs> other and the other art fair. Those are the only two I would recommend. Everything else that I've done, I've made mistakes. I've done them. You need people who have hearts. So you and Alex have major heart. You guys care about the artists. I mean, like you also expanded from the fair to do the arts kind of development and helping with the artist business. So like that just shows just how much you care. Other art fairs very much the same way. They like they care about the artists and they want to make sure that you succeed. Other fairs I've done, they're just there to take your money. And they might not do the marketing that you guys that you were talking about with Facebook ads. They're, they might not do the press, even though they're taking a marketing fee. They're not. I've gone to fairs where it, it was four days and it was only the artists who were there pretty much the entire time. And that's very discouraging. So I would say first, do your research. I'm giving you two fairs that I you know, completely stand by. So that, that can help you get started. But don't just sign up for a fair because they, they approached you or they said, you know, come join it. Like do research, talk to other artists, try to watch videos on YouTube of, you know, people posting about the fair. Try to get a sense of like, do they really care about the artists that are involved? But I would say that fairs help set you apart from the hobbyist artists, you know, and there's nothing wrong being a hobbyist artist. I'm just saying that like once people see that you're investing in yourself, you know, these fairs are not necessarily cheap. But when they see you doing that, they realize that like, okay, this person is taking what they're doing very seriously. And therefore I should, you know, I can look deeper into their portfolio and feel like I'm investing in a piece rather than just buying a piece. You need to view fairs as a marketing fee. So like when I did Super Fine in San Francisco, I got over 100 people to sign up for my mailing list. I don't know how else you'd be able to do that. <laughs> like even <laughs> just having my website up and running ads on Facebook, I can't always guarantee in four days that I'm going to get 100 people to sign I actually, I absolutely cannot guarantee that I can get 100 people to sign up for my mailing list in four days. I just, I don't even know what I would have to do. To, like I'd have to have like, giving away like a PS5 or something like that. <laughs> so like fairs are kind of like, I would say like um, a crash marketing expense, right? So like, instead of saying like you budget like $500 a month or whatever towards your ads, just say like in four days, I'm just going to smash it in there and you're going to get results, especially if you go in with a mindset that this is marketing, right? I think a lot of artists go in they're like, I want to recoup the cost of the booth. And I, the first fair I did with you guys, I, I, that's exactly what my mentality was. But the second time I was like, that's not what this is. Fairs are an opportunity for you to meet people, curators, investors, collectors, advisors. You would not normally ever have the opportunity to meet. So what do you have to do when you're meeting people? Put your best foot forward, right? Doesn't mean they're gonna buy from you. They just met you. I don't know you. I just met you. But <laughs> like what you're doing, that's cool. But are we gonna drop two grand on a painting? I just met you. Some people might, but most people would want to build that relationship. As it's another thing in your business plan, you have to have how you're gonna build the relationship with your your clientele. So you need to go into the fair thinking about I need to make the best impression I can on these people. I need to stand out. I need to communicate well and greet people. Whenever they're walking past my booth, I need to treat even the person who's dressed the bummiest as if they're the best collector on the planet. And if you do that and you go in the mindset that you're marketing yourself rather than selling, then you'll realize afterwards, after the fair, as you're building these relationships, as you're communicating with your mailing list 
where the people have signed up, that you will have, I think, more loyal buyers versus just like running ads, right? It's kind of cold. You don't know these people. Same is the same thing, except it's even colder because it's on a computer as opposed to like just at a fair where they can see you, they can hear your voice, they can see that you're smiling, or, you know, all that good stuff. So I guess I would, that's what I would have to say about theirs. Cool. Well, first of all, if this wasn't a podcast, you could all see that I'm blushing. Thank you so much for uh, the kind words about Superfine. And uh, also the other art fair, totally agree. They're really supportive of the artists that exhibit with them. Definitely an art fair should be, in our case, like you said, we're really a marketing machine at its core. It is an event, but it's also a marketing investment, like you said. And and definitely, you know, the sales are a really great opportunity at the fair, and some people will be ready to buy on the spot, but have being prepared on how to, you know, connect with people more long-term when they're not ready to just like, you know, meet you and 10 minutes later buy a $2,000 painting from you. So definitely kind of like, you know, nurturing people at whatever stage of of that, you know, metaphorical funnel they're in. One thing you should do, and this is not because of the money, you should have small paintings or prints. I would say paintings rather than prints. I did prints at San Francisco and I wish I did more paintings because I feel like People, it's like it's more of a tangible thing and have brush strokes, you know, it's like it shows like your actual work. Have small offerings for people, things like are 200 under $500, I would say, ideally, that people can pick up. And the way you should view that is giant business card, right? Just like this is going to be in their homes. They might put it in their bathroom. They might put it in a hallway. They're going to have friends over. They're going to have guests over. They're going to, and they're going to brag about it because it's an original painting and next thing you know you're like either you know what hmm, i want something bigger or their friends gonna be like hmm, i want something as well and there you go so it's like it's just like free marketing well not free but like it's marketing <laughs> for you yeah. and you know yeah it might the price might not make sense for the, the size or whatever but i think you should do it just to get it in people's hands and start that relationship building Absolutely. No, that's such a smart strategy for a fair. Um, and it's, we, we definitely recommend having works under $500 in the fair as well. It's a way, it, you know, it creates more action in the booth itself. But then, like you said, uh, I, I love, I don't think I've ever referred to it as that, but I love thinking of it as like a giant business card. Or in the case of uh, the friends coming over and seeing it, like a tiny billboard in in yeah. someone's house. But yeah, definitely it's going to make them top of, make make you as the artist top of mind for that person when they're considering which artwork they want to buy next. As a collector myself, I can definitely say that we've bought pieces from artists that are on the smaller side, just, you know, because we like them and we, we've enjoyed their work. And then we end up buying larger and more expensive pieces down the road. So it's, it's definitely a great strategy. Cool. And uh, yeah. And again, like you said, definitely fairs are a great place to foster connections with buyers and build relationships with other people, like you said, that you will probably not meet otherwise, just because that's it's a common ground to, to come to a fair like that. Another place that people do showcase their work, and obviously this year, is online, where your work happens to translate very well to that medium. And so my question for you is, what are the top two ways that you capitalize on apps like Instagram to showcase your work and get people interested? What I've noticed with Instagram is there's been less emphasis on posting to your actual page. 
versus posting to stories and now reels. I'm still learning reels. I, I'm <laughs> I think we I'm all are. I'm going to get there. I'm just figuring out stories. Give me some time at Instagram. <laughs> but I found with stories, it doesn't have to be as formal, like your page. You know, you try, everybody's always trying to keep like an aesthetic. So, you know, certain things you might not be able to post because it doesn't quite fit your aesthetic. But in your stories, you can post anything. Like I'll post my workout. And the whole point of that is to just to get people to realize that I'm a human being, you know, get to see my personality. Like I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a goof. So, <laughs> you know, like get people to see that and hopefully fall in love with that. And just once again, it goes back to building relationship with potential collectors. And I've d- definitely done that a lot with my stories. Posting progress photos is a, another really great thing. Like going live. I don't particularly like to go live because I'm, I'm like scared of it. But like, <laughs> like I'll show process videos of paintings. And I think that's one great thing about Instagram. It's visual and it lends very well to, to art. So it's like there are art buyers on there. There, It's a little bit of a challenge to find them. But once you do, you realize that like they're on there. They are actively seeking emerging artists to invest in or at an earlier stage because they know that based on your portfolio or the you know your um exhibition history, all of that, that you are on track to you know continue to appreciate in value. So I would definitely say that Instagram is my number one. Sometimes I post on Twitter, I'm not as consistent with that. Mm-hmm. And definitely Facebook. Facebook has been helpful because I think it's an older audience of people that are on there and they have jobs and they can, <laughs> and they can buy things. So um, I've also found that finding people who like art on like and buy art on Facebook, especially with the groups, like you find some decent groups, especially if you go back to like what I was saying earlier about knowing your ideal clients. So if you know where they hang out, <laughs> you know what they like, and then you can go join those groups and then you could build some relationships over there. Eventually it's going to come up that you're an artist and then you show them your work. And of course they're going to love it because you knew that they were there and you know who that client is. So I would say, yeah, definitely social media has been a major help this year with, you know, the inability to do fairs and other in-person exhibitions. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I I think this is a good reminder that these are social media platforms. It's not just, you know, post your art up there and, you know, hope that people buy it. You you have to actually still connect with these people. And from my own experience as an artist as well, when I do sell art through Instagram or, or Facebook, like you said, is usually I have connected with that person over time, whether it's a week or three months or whatever it is, I've had a back and forth with them on a, on a relatively regular basis. Uh, and then they decide, Hey, you know, I want to take this plunge and and I want to, to buy something from you. So definitely. And also what you said about the Facebook groups is super huge. Don't neglect Facebook. Yes. Instagram is a more like streamlined looking platform, even though they're the same company, but Facebook definitely has, like you said, an older clientele or older audience and groups are a really good way. If you know who your audience is to connect directly with them, where they're enjoying their interests and and connecting with people over that. So yeah, awesome. What is one more top word of advice that you have for an artist out there who is making art their business? Making sure you have a business plan is paramount. I made the mistake of just leaving corporate and not even having a plan. I just thought that people were just going to buy my art and 
you know, first two years of doing it were just, I was just literally just fumbling around. It's not until I really sat down, I was like, you came from a business background. Why do you not have a business plan? <laughs> and, you know, creating that has really, really helped. Be okay with paying for services. Like I know a lot of us are cheapies. So like, you know, like I said, there's an app that you that you use to create your stories or create your posts or or whatever. Canva, for for instance, or someone picks something. Um, there are a couple of those apps that, you know, you can make your, your page look a little more streamlined, your stories look a little bit cooler. I would say pay for those. Like don't be cheap about stuff that makes your life easier. <laughs> That's something I like. I learned this year because I was just like, I'm. I hate paying for stuff. I just hate it. But like, I've learned. I'm like, if it if it makes a thirty minute task five minutes long and it's six bucks, yeah, you should. Even if it's thirty bucks, it's like that time is really valuable. And because like as an artist, we where we wear all the hats, right? Like you're you're both the creator and the marketing and the CEO and the janitor. So it's like anything that can help you out that is worth investing in you know i know you guys had a couple classes like stuff like that like if you can learn from it and it can make your life easier like i say invest in it i mean be careful because there's a lot of people who are just out there scam but if you find a reputable source of sort of just teaching something or has an app or some whatever just be willing to invest in yourself so that you can just make your life that much easier i would say that that i i think that's a really good way to wrap it up i i uh Definitely agree. Think about it and and do the the research that's necessary. But but definitely you need to budget your time as well as your money. And you need to think, you know, am I going to learn something from this or will this make my life easier? Will it save more time so I can use that time to sell more art or make more art or, you know, take a moment for for mental health and and uh and just relax and and then whatever it is you know if it's six dollars if we can spend six dollars on a latte you can spend six dollars on a instagram template (laughs) yes um to all of you business artists out there abby's been dropping advice bombs here today and you're going to want to go back and take notes if you want to connect with abby and her wonderful art you'll definitely want to give her a shout uh you can follow her at abby.m.salami on Instagram, and we'll put that in the show notes as well. Or you can visit her website at www.abbysalami.com to find more ways to connect with Abby and her art. As always, remember that we are at Superfine Art Fair on Instagram. And if you want to give us a quick hello or learn more about how to apply for an exhibit at one of our upcoming fairs around the United States, just drop us a line at Artists Making Money at superfine.world. That is artists making money at superfine.world. And as always, I'd like to end the class by sharing a quick quote with you all. Today's quote is, just don't give up trying to do what you really want to do. There is love and inspiration. I don't think you can go wrong. And that is Ella Fitzgerald. Abby, it has been such a pleasure having you with us. Thank you so much. Everyone have an awesome rest of your day and remember to stay on top of your artist business plan, get out there and make it happen. Thanks for joining us for another episode of The Artist Business Plan, a weekly business podcast for artist entrepreneurs brought to you by Superfine Art Fair. 
Hosted by Superfine CEO Alex Mito and co-founder slash professional artist James Milley, join us and leaders in the art, marketing, and business arenas each week for tips, tricks, and value bombs designed to help you thrive and sell more art. For more information on applying to Superfine Art Fair, as well as recordings of this and all of our past podcasts, just visit www.superfine.world. We love to hear what you have to say, so follow us on Instagram at superfineartfair and shoot us a message to let us know you're listening. Looking for a more personal connection or want to exhibit at an upcoming fair? Shoot us an email at artistsmakingmoney at superfine.world and we'll get right back to you. That's artistsmakingmoney at superfine.world.